politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready and eager to fight again for our life, our liberty, and our property, our culture and society, civilization. Once again, this is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here for a brand new week, Monday, June 13th. And I must apologize to you guys uh, from the get-go. I always want to revisit something I say or predict something that turns out to be wrong because, you know, I don't like letting that stand for the record. I told you guys that although the GOP screws us on every issue, I was pretty convinced that they would hold the line on guns just simply because they use that one issue as a means of drawing conservatives into voting for them so they can then proceed to screw us on every other issue. Well, as you well know, it turns out over the weekend I was wrong, that they won't even hold the line on that issue. That as we begin a week when the FDA is planning to approve a death shot, literally a death shot, for babies and toddlers, rather than talking about that, they won't mention a word about that. They won't mention a word about the fraud in Ukraine. They, don't, they won't mention a word that there are busloads of people flooding our border. None of that. They are talking about what the left wants them to talk about. In fact, as I've always mentioned, it's not that the Republicans do less than the Democrats. Well, they're almost as bad. That's not the proper analogy. The proper analogy is that the Democrats set the House on fire with the people in it. And the Republican Party, like a fat rear end in the corridor, sits there in the hallway, the doorway, to block any legitimate opposition from arising and coming and storming the building and saving people. So you can't really fight for your liberty because the Republican Party plays interference for the Democrats by filling that void. There's always a void. There's always a need for a second opinion. People respect and understand two parties, two sides of a story. Everyone always knows there's two sides to a story. So the Republicans purposefully fill that void so the Democrats could go on and and do their work. So we're going to talk a little bit about the details of what the Republicans are, are concocting in the Senate with the Democrats on guns and mental health red flag, which is really, um, I'm more worried about a First and Fourth Amendment violation than even a Second Amendment. I'm more worried about them confiscating our bodies, political persecutions. They believe you and I are mentally ill. They believe you and I are red flags. Guns are not. They're going to go after us. They are empowering the very agencies that induced the worst mental health crisis in our history shutting down schools, masking children, those agencies, not just DOJ, but out of HHS, will get billions in funding for mental health programs and red flags. You don't need to envision what that will be used for. We know what that will be used for, okay? And yet, here we are, no discussion of the issues that matter. But now we have to discuss this because it is a threat. Perhaps this is the one issue that gets our voters riled up, so maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we'll finally spawn a rebellion. But watch my colleagues in talk radio. They'll spend 24 hours being like, yeah, Republicans, screw us, and then they'll just go back to it. 
And that's why I can't really blame Republicans. If you think about it, they've won almost every primary. No matter what they do to us, our voters turn back to them, refuse to look for other strategies as I've been laying out for years. So what do they have to lose? It's like walking in the door and seeing you know, your spouse yup it up with someone else in bed every time, and then rather than throwing her out, you're like, hey, you want a nice cold beer from the fridge? So that's what it's like. Yeah, we need to help them defeat the Democrats. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't blame them for acting the way they do. Nobody is thinking of other strategies. They're not even promising to do better. Okay, this is the time when Republicans are going to be the most righteous ever, right? You have the worst headwinds against the Democrats of all time. They have the worst polling. Like I talked about last week, they're polling worse among Hispanics than even whites. Biden is a dead carcass. He's a huge liability for them. We have earth-shattering events taking place in the world. The economy, the inflation, there's no way... Democrats could persevere. This is the time you could fight them. And they are choosing to give them the one issue that Republicans until now have stood strong on. What does that tell you? And by the way, there's another piece of news. Just before I forget, I want to get this out because we're going to talk obviously about guns from Punchbowl today. With the midterm elections looming and control of both House and Senate up for grabs, there'll be at least one continuing resolution enacted before lawmakers head back home this fall to run for re-election. That CR will keep federal agencies open beyond the September 30th deadline. The question then becomes whether there's an omnibus deal in a lame duck session, especially if Republicans grab control of one or both chambers, or whether more continuing resolutions are needed. And could any omnibus spending deal include a debt limit increase, which is something that current House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy may want to see happen. So in other words, what we view as the ultimate leverage to be harnessed against an unpopular party for their unpopular and destructive positions and policies that you could hold up budget bills and debt ceiling bills and say we will not pass them unless we have this and this on you know energy and drilling and and the border and Pfizer and freedoms for medical freedom no they look at it as a liability to be avoided and shunned they're actually you know you would think oh man we're going to come into congress january february let's save the uh, omnibus bills and the debt ceilings for that period of time to use against biden no they want to get it off the table in the lame duck session have the democrats do it so they could come and say oh we got rid of it we don't have any leverage so conservatives like us can't pressure them to use it that is how much they hate you just like they hate you so much that they literally got 10 Republicans to work on this gun control measure, and they made sure four of them were suicide bombers. They're, they're retiring. They're lame ducks. And the other six are not in cycle. They made sure not a single Demo- uh, Republican who's in cycle up for re-election this term was a part of it. They use all of their effort to plot and scheme and make an end run around you while the Democrats use all of their effort and time to empower their base. You cannot go on like this. And you would think that all my colleagues would say, let's get together, have a, have a meeting, pray together, strategize together, understand that what we're doing is not working, 
Let's think of new ideas. No, they'll, they'll be back on the plantation. Not that they've ever left it. That, that's where we are, folks. It's worse than you think. Now, obviously, the solution is very clear. I'm not going to belabor the point today. We've discussed it before. We'll discuss it more in detail in, in, in the future. But the solution is to run independent candidates in the general election. I don't know if in some states it's already too late, but I know in many states uh, you haven't missed the filing deadline. It's very hard to start a new party, but it's not that hard in most states to run as an independent, non-affiliated, to get on the ballot. And if we would use all our resources, see, I can't do this alone, but if all the talking heads that have all the influence would make it clear to the Republican Party that if they continue doing what they're doing, we are willing to shoot the hostage. And no, it doesn't mean 100% either not voting Republican in a general or downright voting Democrat, which is a strategy for chaos theory, just allowing it to get worse. I'm not endorsing or uh, re- rebutting or you know opposing that opinion. But what I am saying is you don't even have to come on to that. There's another option that doesn't guarantee the Democrats win, but it might run a little bit of a risk of them winning, but it also has an upside that it has the potential to win a three-way race and actually get something righteous and break this hegemony. And you have to at least be willing to risk it if you're not willing to go along with those other theories. And again, the, the, the strategy real broadly, if you've heard my show before, it's not to run your typical fired you know, conservative Republican that typically ran in primaries before but the establishment guy uh, won and now you run him as an Indian, a general. You get someone with a broader appeal, a fresh face, um, Picture someone like a Robert Malone, even a Naomi Wolf, who was traditionally more feminist and left, but on the issues that matter, she gets that we have a maniacal globalist elite that's destroying us on the issues that matter and could have a broad appeal and possibly win a three-person race to at least strategically try this against the most egregious Republicans in the states that make sense to do so. It's stupid not to explore this. But I need help. This is where it's ultimately at. I know we will all be here in six to eight years from now, like everyone is six to eight years after I propose something. But it will be too late. We need it now. Now, folks, one thing also before it's too late is to save your finances. Okay, with the dollar being worth nothing within the coming years... You see Russia's crushing us. They're, they're selling more oil than ever for higher prices while we debase our currency. Food prices are soaring. And even crypto is going down. Now, I'm not, I'm not dunk, dunking on crypto here. I'm not enough of an expert to talk about it. But gold has always been a solid hedge against, really, all of the stuff that the globalists are doing, but certainly inflation. Birch gold... Okay, they're not one of these fly-by-the-night companies. They are really the 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to converting your IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account using gold and silver. Do what I did, and rather than putting your IRA or 401k into the stock market casino, which is really doing the worst it's done in years, text Daniel to 989898. 
They have thousands of satisfied customers and A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold can help you protect your savings from the cartel. Text Daniel to 989898 to get a free info kit. No obligation, just to find out how this works for those of you who are unfamiliar with how to invest in gold and silver. So again, text Daniel Birch Gold, the, just Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, to N eight nine eight nine eight nine eight to protect your savings with gold. So as we you know, introduce our next guest, or before we introduce him, I just want to start out with a brief clip here to demonstrate what I am scared about. I'm not even so much scared about them grabbing our guns because as they've demonstrated, they don't need to grab our guns to control our business, life, body, everything. Okay? They don't need that. And they're not going to storm a picket's charge up, up the guns. Even after the framework was announced that Republicans are planning this, what I am more concerned about is what they will do to our bodies, the mental health, the red flag, not so much for confiscating our guns, but for confiscating our bodies. It's all part of what we're seeing with January 6th, with Ryan Kelly, the gubernatorial candidate in Michigan, being arrested simply for being at the protest, not having committed any crime. The biggest problem we face under this Fourth Reich, this global hegemony, is the invasion of our privacy, the tracking, tracing, data collection. I want you to listen to this brief clip. This was said at Davos just a couple of weeks ago at the World Economic Forum. Australian e-safety commissioner. I didn't know there was such a job. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're, we have increasing polarization <laughs> everywhere. And everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on online violence. Or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. Julie Inman Grant, listen to her uh, diatribe here. Okay, folks, you heard that. We need to recalibrate freedom of speech. We have too many, too much polarization on things that shouldn't be binary. Okay? Very interesting. We should all agree. See, that, that's the beauty of them. They believe that their insanely radical, controversial, destructive policies are not even political. They should be consensus. And, and, and believe me, they will move heaven and earth to make sure there is no dissent. We need to recalibrate free speech. So now, with that in mind, okay, with that in mind, what do Republicans plan on doing? They plan on giving HHS and DOJ billions of dollars to work on mental health and work with states to create red flag laws. Dude, we don't need to envision, oh, it might be used one day, not just for those like the Uvalde shooting, uh, but for us. That is exclusively what they are and will use it for because they're already doing it. In all their bulletins, they say, those who believe COVID fascism is a problem, election fraud, they are the biggest homeland security threat. 
They're already working with big tech, big pharma. And now they're going to work with state governments. You are feeding this beast. Okay, what you heard from the World Economic Forum, that is what our federal government believes at all levels. And even if you had a Republican administration, the bureaucracies that you are going to fund, that is what they believe. And you are giving them billions of dollars to identify red flags. So not only are Republicans not fighting the surveillance state, the biomedical fascism state that was created the last two years, track and trace. We see that CDC, which covers mental health, they'll be one of the agencies that gets money from this, by the way, that they bought data from a shady company to track our cell phone data and track tens of millions of people when they went to neighbors during lockdown, when they went to church, what they did. And rather than passing legislation and promising that when we take over Congress, we're going to criminalize this. By the way, it's another action item. We need states to create a constitutional amendment categorically barring any government agency from ever collecting, tracing, tracking, monitoring the private lives of a human being using any form of technology without probable cause that they have committed a crime, a physical crime. And it's funny that at a time we, we live that, you know, you have a terrorist, the Pensacola terrorist, if you remember, it was impossible to crack into his phone, but for us, it's always used against us. None of these laws will ever stop the next Uvalde basket case. As we well know, there is no federal angle to that other than abolishing this uh, uh, gun-free zone, which everyone knows is, is, is insane. It's very easy to message. Republicans will not message that. Other than that, there's nothing to do at a federal level. It's a school, school districts need to work out within their communities to arm teachers and administrators and have volunteer sheriff's posses who are willing to be in plain clothes, retired law enforcement, military, and protect the children. Nothing more. Whenever you venture into mental illness, you can't fix mental illness because the same agencies created it. Social distancing. Gee, all these shooters, school shooters, are all called what? Loners. They've created a generation of this. You're not going to fix it overnight. There's not much we can do about that, sadly, at this juncture. Other than you have to just arm yourself and protect yourself from, from it. But the worst thing you can do is empower the very people who created the mental health crisis and then those who want to deem us as a red flag with money and statutory authority to work with the states to screw us. That's the last thing you want to do. And this is where we are. It's unbelievable that Republicans are screwing us even on this issue. So what exactly is going on in the Senate? And that's where I really want to bring in a true expert to discuss these provisions, the framework, and the wragglings behind closed doors that's, that's going to eventually lead to some sort of adoption from the rhinos and what you as a citizen can do about it. So now, if you've noticed, I have never had a representative of the NRA on this show. And there's a reason for that. They put out a statement yesterday 
As is our policy, the NRA does not take positions on frameworks. We will make our position known when the full text of the bill is available for review. Well, as you guys well know, the problem with that is once the arson is already set, it's a brush fire and it's hard to stop. When you need to make your voice heard is precisely when it's a framework, precisely when they're behind closed doors and haggling over these details, not once they have a finished product because then it's hard to defeat. So instead of someone from the NRA, we are going to have the Legislative Council for Gun Owners of America, the only pro-Second Amendment group that I support, Michael Hammond. Now, he is someone who knows the Senate more than most people alive. He served in the Senate on the steering committee for, for a number of years, and now he's a Legislative Council for GOA. Terrific, terrific organization. And I figured there is nobody alive who will understand the legalities, the politics, the negotiations in the Senate, what's going on, what we could do about it. Michael, thanks so much for joining us for the first time here at Blaze Media. Thank you, Daniel, and hello, America. Indeed. America needs to hear from you. Uh, I'll be honest. I was a little bit slow on the draw here. Uh, My five-point draw from the holster was a little bit rusty because we're focused on so many issues. We got the border. We got COVID fascism. um, Obviously, all the economic stuff. And I figured, you know, guns, Republicans, generally, that's one of the only issues they kind of hold the line on. So I didn't think I needed to worry about it. But indeed, I was wrong. Could you just start from the beginning and give us a synopsis of what are some of the worst things you're hearing about the most concerning uh, provisions of this framework? Well, uh, to start out with, uh, the framework is uh, as a result of a democratic trap. I mean, they've tried to set this trap for 25 years now. I've seen it over and over and over again. And lo and behold, uh, for the first time, the trap is really working. Uh, what it consists of is this. There's a uh, mass shooting in a gun-free zone, uh, a state, New York, which has virtually every gun law that's ever been concocted, notwithstanding that, or because of that, a kid, and I won't use his name, walks into a grocery store realizing that no one in that store, except for the security guard, once he gets past him, is going to shoot back. No one is going to interrupt his 15 minutes of fame. And lo and behold... Every newspaper in America glorifies this kid, glorifies his manifesto, puts his name on the first page, puts his a flattering picture on the first page, and turns him into the rock star that he's always wanted to be. Now, at the time, I said in numerous radio programs, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You're going, only going to take dozens of kids who are sitting out there, who are disaffected, and give them the idea, aha, I see the attention this guy is getting, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to become famous. And lo and behold, the media, which should have known that it was going to precipitate a series of copycat killings, in fact, did precipitate a series of copycat killings, starting out with Uvalde, and uh, I think the Times knew 
that uh, something like this was going to happen. And I think for it, and I'm sad to say, it is a, the kids are a collateral damage to the Times achieving its objective of a Democratic sweep in November. Yep, and I don't think they're going to get really an electoral sweep, but they'll get their sweep embodied through Republicans. <laughs> through Republicans implementing they their may, agenda. They, they, they may in the Senate. I, I think they'll uh, lose 20 or 30 seats in the House, but I can tell you, uh, uh, Maggie Hassan in my home state of New Hampshire is running for re-election. The first time she ran, she won by 1,000 votes. The gun owners didn't like the guy who was running against her, and so they set up a, a spoiler candidate. The spoiler got 18,000 conservative votes. Maggie Hassan won by 1,000. I would be willing to bet, in places like New Hampshire, uh, people are looking at this situation saying, the Republicans are no better than the Democrats. It's... It's Schumer versus Corn, and it's Tweedledee and Tweedledummer. <laughs> and as a result, I, I think uh, the, Democrat, the, the Democrats have convinced the Republicans to destroy their base in anticipation of the upcoming election, and I don't think the result is going to be good. So that's an interesting political take. You know, I didn't think about that electorally, but that certainly is a good trap. Um, now, on the policy side of the trap, so typically Republicans have talked about a lot of these details for a while, negotiating. I never thought it was serious. What What is the most serious thing that we have to be concerned about? People who want to call their Republican senators and say, no way, no way. What are some of the most concerning details you're seeing? Oh, there are a whole bunch of nightmares. Let's start out with the red flag gun confiscation laws. <laughs> now, uh, this bill is setting up a funding mechanism to encourage states like seatbelts to adopt similar laws. What these consist of is, well, uh, a gun owner has a uh, ex-wife who's really, really angry with them. Uh, she drops a dime in the middle of the night to a judge. The judge always signs the order, uh, ordering a SWAT team to arrive at his house in the wee hours of the night, and in some cases, as in Ferndale, Maryland, if the gun owner doesn't cooperate, they shoot him to death. Now, uh, a 62-year-old black man named Gary Willis was shot to death, just the most decent man anyone could imagine, just shot to death because he didn't cooperate enough uh, with the police pursuant to one of these red flag gun confiscation orders. Uh, there have been others as well. Uh, but in, in Maryland, incidentally, at the same time as they enacted red flags, they just abolished capital punishment. So about the only thing that you can be capitally punished for in Maryland is being a law-abiding gun owner. So these uh, middle-of-the-night gun confiscation raids. I mean, they remind me a lot of post-Kristallnacht uh, Germany under Hitler. And, and I was going to say, it reminds uh, me a lot it, of Ryan Kelly and what we're seeing with January 6th. So rather than Republicans being sensitized to what 
the FBI has been doing, going after people because they're quoting Thomas Jefferson, you know, because they were merely on the Capitol steps. They weren't even in the building. They didn't commit any violent act. We are seeing these raids right now. So they're now giving the yeah. feds even more power to red flag. So are you concerned that they're not exactly going to profile the people that fit the image of the Uvalde shooter, but it will be people like you and me? Yeah, uh, that, what always follows red flag laws is gun bans. And lo and behold, as a result of the background check provisions of this bill, uh, the government is going to have a much more extensive list of who owns guns, what type of gun they own, and wh where they live. And uh, in addition, uh, it knows... Uh, where to send the SWAT teams to in the middle of the night. So, yes, uh, from Roger Stone on, uh, the uh, uh, police have shown a peculiar uh, dislike for conservatives. And uh, I, th I think you can see what's happening. Uh, you can see the future from that, what's going to happen to gun owners under these red flag laws. You know, even more than the Second Amendment, I'm looking at this, and I'm not concerned about the First Amendment and the Fourth Amendment. Um, you know, not just confiscating guns, but confiscating our bodies. We watched with COVID fascism over the past few years how we've had this massive biomedical surveillance state. Uh, we now know CDC was buying cell phone tracking data. They were monitoring people's movements. Were they complying with the lockdowns? So doesn't this framework plan to send billions of dollars not just to doj but some of those very hhs agencies that were monitoring us with this crazy COVID stuff it it could be in the long run now if you establish this principle because we don't want dead children if you establish this principle that uh uh you can send SWAT teams to people's homes in the middle of the night to confiscate their property and break down the door if necessary, and that they don't have to have a hearing, or at least a hearing in which the victim participated, then at that point all doors are open. Uh, there, there, are really, uh, there are really no bright line barriers uh, between knocking people's doors down in the middle of the night for virtually any purpose that the government decides is the purpose of the hour. So these mental health clinics, mental health sounds very nice. Um, you know, it's something that Republicans have always supported. So they're trying to say, look, it's not about guns. It's not about guns. It's about mental health. What do you think is going to happen with some of this mental health funding? Yeah, well, uh, I, I haven't even gone through four of the five anti-gun provisions, but I, I will tell you this. Uh, I, I, we had received an article at GOA, and uh, it, it argued that a large number of these kids had gone through mental health programs and either were Ritalin or Adderall kids. Uh, basically, they started out with... Uh, a behavioral disorder, which was mild. Uh, they ended up becoming addicted to these uh, antidepressant drugs, and uh, they ended up sitting in the basement, 
playing video games and mellowing out on uh, these prescribed drugs, prescribed because supposedly they were in this mental health program. So I think you have to look very, very carefully at whether, quote, these mental health programs are going to uh, further push these kids toward the edge or are going to pull them away. I, I suspect there's a lot of evidence, a lot of people who think that it's going to make things a lot worse. Well, let's not forget these same mental health agencies. You know, CDC oversees that. Uh, they induced the worst mental health crisis of all time with uh, with COVID. So uh, not exactly the type of firefighter you want at the scene. I want to go on to some of these provisions that they're talking about or negotiating yes. and what you're hearing about in terms of this federal law with gun trafficking and so-called straw purchases expanded background Yeah, gun trafficking and straw purchases, we don't have the language on that, Mm -hmm. but uh, back in 2013, there are very few advantages to being very, very old, but one (laughs) of them is you've been through these things. Uh, When they had a gun trafficking provision, which was part of the four-part package in 2013, what it consisted of was this. It would... uh, reduce from a knowing uh, standard of, uh, of, of, of of mental awareness to a negligent standard of mental awareness uh, in terms of the transfer of firearms or sale of firearms on private purchases uh, from you to your neighbor, from you to your relative, from you to someone else. Uh, that that sounds like gobbledygook, so let me explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, currently, if you want to sell a gun to your neighbor privately, you can. A guy you've known for maybe 20, maybe 30 years, uh, it's, it's sort of assumed that you know whether the guy is safe or not. Uh, currently, uh, you are put in prison only if you know, know, the guy is not entitled to have a gun. Now, under this, quote, straw purchaser uh, provision, uh, they would reduce that standard to negligence. So uh, if the guy turned out to be a medical marijuana user and and you had no idea and you sold a gun to him, you go to prison. If a guy turned out to be a veteran who was diagnosed by the VA to have a mental problem, Mm. uh, you go to prison. He goes to prison as well uh, because you have a, you don't know that he has a problem, but you may have, according to some jury after the fact, a reason to believe. So uh, the, uh, the, the state of mind standard is critical as to whether uh, selling a gun in America becomes a minefield or uh, it is relatively safe as it currently is. So it's, uh, I, I, calling this per- provision a straw purchase provision or a uh, gun trafficking provision is, is really a pretty deceptive labeling. <laughs> it's, a, it's a provision to put a lot of people who are acting honestly, legitimately, and in accordance with what they think the law is, put a lot of people behind bars. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, because we all hate trafficking, you know, like the cartel trafficking, which some of these same uh, politicians encourage yeah, and support. Yeah, illegal. So it's it's an it's a term that people you know it, it stands out to them. But what you're saying is it's basically any gun uh, store owner. Um, it's kind of like you know the guy who ran people over at the parade in Wisconsin. I don't know which car it was, what make, but let's say it was Toyota, and you could say, hey, uh, you sell a Toyota to anyone that that uh, you, you know you, you could have been negligent and you should have known that he would have run people over. He had issues. Uh, he was a criminal. Then you're held liable. Yeah. Liable. We don't. We don't. We don't do that for anything. Yeah, that's that's what that's what uh, the state of mind standard does to you, and uh, you know it's it's labeled uh, gun trafficking, but it's not related to gun trafficking at all. That's just a cutesy label to sell something which is much more insidious and much more dangerous to a law-abiding gun owner. It's also it's also insidious. Uh, I'm looking here today. Uh, there's a great resource in Minnesota that monitors all the gun felons that have been released or get no time, or they're you know let out on bail and then violate the bail with felony possession, and they're still not reincarcerated. I mean, this is the story of America of all these blue cities, and they're never locked up. That's the irony. Those are the gun traffickers, yeah. um, but they're never punished. Uh, by these same people because they believe in criminal justice reform. So it's pretty funny that they use the term gun traffickers because all those caught doing it, uh, you know, they're they're fine with it so long as you're a violent criminal. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so insidious. One of the things that they're obviously talking about yes. um, this time around, a little bit more than in the past, but you have great instit- institutional knowledge of this, is the, the age limit and 21. What exactly yes. are they planning on doing with um with that age limit well it it's not entirely clear but there if someone tries to buy a gun between 18 and 21 they open up all of his juvenile records uh now uh yeah i i know a lot of families that have kids that had trouble with the law mm. and normally they grow out they learn from it and they grow out of it it opens up all of these uh, records uh, that the individual had as a juvenile, maybe when he's 12, maybe when he's 13 or 14, and makes it relevant to whether he can own a gun as an adult. Now, there are two possible ways they could go. They could go, well, you can look at these uh, records, but they have no impact on whether this guy can buy a gun or not. I don't think that's the way they're going to go. I think the way they're going to go is, if this guy did something when he was 12, that he could, uh, or that would be a felony or a domestic misdemeanor when he was 32, uh, then he's not entitled to own a gun as an adult. Now, it's sort of interesting because the juvenile system is presumably intended to ex- uh, exist for the benefit of a juvenile. Uh, he gets no due process in a traditional adult sense, no jury trial, but he goes through this <coughs> kangaroo court exercise, and at, if at the age of 18, as a result of that, he's denied his constitutional rights, that's a real problem. Mm. So it, it, it's funny. I'm a big hawk on going after juvenile violent crime. 
you know, I live outside of Baltimore. It's a huge problem. But I, I still agree with what you're saying because, again, at the same time that you have red flags, real red flags, a.k.a. a uh, 16-year-old was convicted multiple times for armed robbery, for carjackings. This is what we have here. It's all the juveniles doing. They're assaulting people with a gun, and then they're caught with felony possession, and nothing happens to them. But yet, what you're saying is what they want to do is cast a wide net on a constitutional right rather than, look, if that guy's a problem, lock him up. You know, convict him, lock him up. But no, you know, you could have someone that has more of a minor issue when they were a minor, and then they come yeah. to purchase a gun, which, you know, all the street thugs, juveniles here, they don't come to purchase one. They get them off the streets. So then he's yeah, screwed, and, and it, everything's backwards. But I see the trap because it is very, you know, it sounds like you're being well, tough on crime, and it's a very smart play from the left. Well, the Parkland shooter, I mean, the police visited his house a uh, hundred times. He was doing things like shooting chickens, uh, I guess shooting at people, and things like that. At any time during those hundred visits, uh, they had reason to arrest him for having committed a felony. If they, in fact, didn't arrest him for having committed a felony, what makes you think that a red flag law is going to give them any more information? Exactly. We already have red flag laws in the sense of, you know, we have people convicted of violent crimes and nothing happens to them. They're caught with felony possession. Wow. They're not thrown in jail because they want to reduce the numbers. You know, we have, you know, other mental health laws that allow, you know, them to uh, uh, commit you to an institution. But there's a degree of due process and they want to make an end run around that. It's just very interesting that they don't utilize what we have and then want to cut the process. And I think we understand because it's not those people who are going to be subject to it. It's kind of like the January 6th dynamic. So what could people do? Yeah, what, well, one yeah. of the great criminologists of our time, John Locke, John Locke did sure. a study of red flag laws in all the states in which they had been implemented. He found that there was no reduced suicide in a state with a red flag law, no reduced homicide in a state with red flag laws, no reduced crime in states with red flag laws. The only statistical difference was that in states with red flag laws, for some reason or another, there was a statistically increased chance of rape. So uh, red flag laws have been, I mean, don't tell me if it can save only one life. Uh, it has been demonstrated to be completely ineffectual in terms of reducing crime, but it has also been demonstrated to run over the constitutional due process requirements that supposedly uh, give you a say in any proceeding which is going to result in the confiscation of your property. Yep. I mean, this is what we're seeing. The rights we do have, they take away, and then they want to add extra rights, and that's the thing. It's like all these criminals you see in the big cities – 100 arrests, 50 convictions, and they in and out, nothing happens to them, um, full due process. But then people uh, that really haven't committed a crime, they want to circumvent due process. So what do we do about this? What are some action items uh, people could take uh, to, to try to jump on this before it, it you know, you, you got to nip the shoots of arbitrary well, power in the bud? I think uh, call your senator and 
uh, or your Republican senator particularly, and tell him uh, if the uh, Republicans uh, basically decide to destroy their base at the behest of their political opposition, uh, they're not going to take the Senate in uh, December in November. As a matter of fact, they're going to lose seats. Uh, the solution to uh, Uvalde and the solution to Buffalo is not to uh, do things like background checks, which were conducted on both of those shooters, yeah. red flag laws, which existed in New York. Or, I mean, those solutions have been tried. <laughs> they have demonstrably failed. That's a good point. Uh, they already the, have it. Uh, solution, the solution is to uh, uh, allow Uvalde, uh, schools like that, to have teach to arm teachers in order to protect their students. Uh, in, in West Virginia, for instance, Charleston, West Virginia, at the same time these mass shootings were happening, uh, an individual decided that he was going to get his 15 minutes of fame by engaging in a similar mass shooting. Uh, he was gunned down by a good gal with a gun. You ne- as a result, you never see West Virginia on the front page of the New York Times. And that's a, that, that's a way that Buffalo and that's the way that Uvalde should have operated. Uh, there should have been armed citizens in order to protect uh, uh, the population once uh, the uh, killers uh, got through the security guards. And apparently so, in Texas, that wasn't very difficult. No, no, it certainly wasn't. And that's what we're seeing. You know, often they're, they're worthless and then they're, they're identifiable. So they're targets. You know, you need people in plain clothes carrying uh, as many as you can. Um, I'm not disagreeing with your call to call of action, call to the Senate. Just I don't have too much confidence in, in, you know, Senate Republicans. My question to you is what could people do? Let's say they're in a state with a Republican governor and state legislature right now. Is there anything that they could preemptively do, say, like, hey, you know, maybe get their governor and legislators on the record as not participating in this funding stream that they're going to create for red flag laws? Do you have any ideas uh, how we can combat this at a state level? I suspect that uh, they, uh, the Republican states... Uh, currently are taking the position that we're not going to get red flag money, but lo and behold, it's just like seatbelt money. Uh, Lo and behold, when that money becomes available, is dangled over your head, it it, it becomes a temptation. And uh, once uh, once these programs are out, bribing these legislatures uh, to enact uh, gun confiscation laws, uh, it will be further down the line than I am comfortable with. Yes, that's why I think it's it's important to get them on the record now as, as just preempting that because they all love the money. They love the money. They'll say, oh, we'll do good things with it. We'll protect the students. Uh, this is what we always see, the albatross around the necks of red states that make them blue and not red is that funding stream. They yeah. love it. Um, makes yeah. them dependent on the federal government. What um, how could people get involved in, in some of your activism at Gun Owners of America on your website? Do you have anything people could, could join? Yeah. Well, log on to gunowners.com. Uh, uh, 
uh, or dot org, gun owners period org. I won't tell Eric you bungled and, their website. <laughs> so gunowners.org. dot org. Um, yeah, boy, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Computer Guy, am I? No, but you are Mr. But, Senate uh, Guy, so I know you know what's going on there. Please keep us updated. But, um, okay. You know, and alert us as soon as we, uh, as you know, you know, the red flags among the Republicans, so we could flag it and take uh, action accordingly. Uh, thanks so much for being yeah. so vigilant on this issue over the years, and we really look forward to hearing from you in the future as well. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. So again, that was Michael Hammond of Gun Owners of America. Really, there's nobody around I know that's covered this issue longer than he has, both inside and outside of Congress. Um, for a while, he was one of the most powerful staffers in the Senate, and uh, uh, he is really a, a large degree of why these plans were thwarted in the past was the result of his work so we'll see what happens but it's interesting he mentioned that they've been pushing this for a while but they had the perfect trap republicans fell right into it and and here we go it's always a matter of, see this is what they do well daniel don't you agree to this much what about this well you know there's a lot of you know we don't want juvenile criminals to to get guns do we right and it's like wait a minute why are we coming from that perspective why aren't we talking about locking up juvenile criminals it's not about the gun. A constitutional right has to be adjudicated on an individual basis. You can't carte blanche take that away. If a guy is a problem, if he's a convicted felon and he's caught with a gun, then put him away for 25 years. That's what I say. But, you know, his concern is, he's, you know, you take, you know, a lot of people do have a criminal record. It could be somewhat negligible. And boom, categorically, they don't have, they don't have rights. Also, gu uh, gun store owners. That's a big one. They're always big into that liability. They're, they're going to go after them. And then the extensive amount of info that they're going to gather on our people. You know, I, I find it interesting. Um, and, and, and then obviously just before that, just the red flag part. Picture a guy like Ryan Kelly and all these people getting swatted for January 6th. All those people will have their guns taken away. And again, once it's guns, I guarantee you it won't just be guns. It will be other political views. You're a threat. You're fomenting a revolution against the government. You're fomenting an insurrection. And all that mental health money. Oh, my gosh. God knows what will be done with that. Grooming programs. Who knows? It's kind of interesting. You know, today, June 13th, it's an anniversary. I believe it was 1966. That was the Arizona case of Miranda. You know, the famous Miranda rights. Complete BS. Ed Meese was once asked, what is the worst opinion ever? What would, you, what would be the first opinion you would overturn? And everyone thought he'd say Roe v. Wade. He said, Miranda, this notion that they have to know of their rights before interrogation. We're not talking about knowing the crime you're, you know, you're alleged to have committed. That, that's, a, that's a real right. We're talking about the, the whole BS thing that if you didn't read them their rights, everything is invalid. Um, that was made up. This is what we have. They made up bogus rights that don't exist and then now want to short circuit ones that do. Hence, illegal aliens have rights. You know, today there was a, uh, an opinion about illegal aliens having constant bond hearings. And, and, and the court ruled properly. There were two opinions today. But Clarence Thomas was the only one in a concurrence 
who has said, look, there's no due process to come here illegally. You don't have due process rights. Again, we're not locking up illegals. We're not. We're trying to get rid of them. Just go back to your own country, and we could do that. Um, and he's the only one who would overturn the stupid Zavidas opinion. Basically, what happens is this. The illegals come here, um, or it could be a legal immigrant, but he's a criminal alien, so he commits a crime, so now he's deportable. And then the host country, his origin, country of origin, won't accept him back. Okay? So then we're caught... So we're holding him, but not because we want to hold him indefinitely. It's because we want to deport him, but they're not taking him. They're not cooperating. So like, well, you got to let him go after six months. Well, but that's his fault. I mean, if you don't want to be locked up, you have the right to self-deport. Go do it. He wants to litigate his way in here, so then we're going to hold you. We're not going to allow you to disappear. So they create BS rights that don't exist so that the ones that do exist could be terminated. That is this new transformation. Because they're not natural rights. You don't have a natural right to break into another country. But then you don't have a right to just breathe. Bodily autonomy, anything. That's where we're at in this juncture. And by the way, speaking of bodily autonomy. You know, there is an interesting academic paper I saw out. Talking about the ethics of basically going ahead and giving the shots to kids that aren't authorized for. So the same people that will say, you can't give ivermectin because it's not authorized, even though it is authorized, it's FDA approved. It's just they didn't authorize it specifically for that use, but that's, that's how medicine always is. We, we've never you know, said that you can't prescribe it. Uh, you know, all, all that means, the only limitation of whether it's approved for that use is that the manufacturer cannot label it and, and uh, market it for that use, but a doctor could use it for whatever he wants, yet they take novel gene therapy after it has already been proven with hundreds upon hundreds of studies, real-life data, real-life experience to be poison, nothing but poison, that damages every inch of your body, and they're like, no, you know, you should give it to cohorts of kids that aren't yet approved. That's totally ethical. That's that's what the, the Great Reset is all about. Taking away the normative process we have of adjudicating something, of approving something, whether it's medicine, whether it's law, and replacing it with their system. It's so blatant now. You have Justin Bieber. I don't even know what he does, but one of these big pop culture stars, and his wife, Haley. They are so young. They're not middle-aged. They're in their 20s. And a couple of months ago, the wife, Haley, at 25 years old, suffered a blood clot and a stroke, and Justin came down with facial paralysis stemming from Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which seems to come from shingles. What is the likelihood of the same couple in their 20s having two of these ailments that almost never hit people in their 20s, and they just happen to be extremely common for COVID vaccines? Meaning they're not, the COVID vaccines potentially cause everything. But the blood clotting strokes and the facial paralysis stemming from shingles is everything. There's this doctor, um, he's an ophthalmologist, Neil Chesson. He put out on social media that in the span of a few weeks, I saw four cases of Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Three were recently boosted. I had never seen a single case in 32 years of my ophthalmology practice. 
So, here we go. Here we go. But anyway, just before we end, back to the fundamental rights and guns. This all leads me to another action item. I am all for abolishing the police, particularly city police. And I've said it before. They are not getting rid of criminals. A lot of it's out of their hands because of criminal justice deform and jailbreak and all that. Prosecutors, the judges, right? All they do is apprehend. So they're not there for us when we need them. And we certainly saw that in Uvalde. That's just a reality. I'm not disparaging individual police officers. It's just a reality of what we are facing. An amalgamation of several policies in this country make it that police essentially are neutered from doing a good job of what they should be doing. So therefore, the only thing they could perpetuate through their existence is being used as a tool for fascism. So if we're not going to have ordered liberty, which we don't have, and it's a choice of pure anarchy versus anarcho-tyranny, I'm going to go with the pure anarchy. I'll try my luck with I could defend myself, and they're not going to come and arrest me for January 6th. They're going to arrest me for having political opinions and take away my guns or arrest me for defending myself against a perpetrator that inevitably is let out because the police are not a deterrent to real criminals. So I'm going to have to defend myself, but then I'm going to get in trouble, especially if that perpetrator happens to be a protected class, if you know what I mean. So then, yeah, I don't, I don't need them. I don't want them. And what I'm partially referring to is what we saw in Coeur d'Alene over the weekend where you had this grooming festival they, they pick our most conservative areas in northern Idaho. And you have this imagery of like two dozen so-called patriot front people with their hands zip tied against their back on the ground. I don't know what went on there. Those of you in northern Idaho, we have a lot of good listeners there. Email me. Let me know what, what really went on there. But one of two things went on there. Either they're all false flag feds just playing cops and robbers like they always do and they're all feds both the police there and the um so-called you know right-wing counter protesters or if they are real why is it that our people seem to be arrested without having committed a crime just for counter protesting whereas they can loot, loot burn steal rob with impunity and of course nothing happens to them BLM Antifa Again, I'm just trying to tell you both state, local, and federal law enforcement are proving to be worthless and not just worthless. The only thing they can handle is going after us. So you know what? I don't need that. I don't want that. We need national divorce. And again, we need states to be constitutional sanctuaries. We will not participate with any red flag laws. We will not participate with any confiscation of guns from someone who is not adjudicated with the due process that is on the books in every state. If you believe someone has committed a crime, and not just committed a crime, but if you do believe someone is like more of a kind of mental health, loose cannon, danger, under car- the laws are already there. You could A judge could commit someone. There's just a certain degree of process you need for that, and they want to circumvent that. Why? Why would you want to circumvent that? I think we know the answer to that. As that Australian uh, commissioner said to the World Economic Forum, 
There's a little bit too much uh, dissent going on. And we need to recalibrate freedom of speech. That's ultimately what this is about. It's not really even the Second Amendment. It's really about the First Amendment at its core. But instead, rather than a party fighting this, we have a party walking right into the trap, or they're part of the trap. I don't think they're walking into it. They, they believe in it. They agree with it. But perhaps maybe this will be the one issue that will force them. I don't care, but at some point you have to shoot the hostage. If you're going to tell the Republicans that no matter what you do to us, no matter how bad things get, you will continue with no other options to support them in the general election, you're done. And I'm not. what I'm trying to say is you don't even have to just straight up say, okay, I'm going to go with the binary. We should recruit independent candidates, not someone like me. Okay, you want someone that out of the gate could have somewhat of a broader appeal, but they're fundamentally going to fight on the issues that matter when they matter and the way they matter, even if maybe, you know, a couple of issues they'll be a little bit liberal on. I'll take that over the current Republican Party, which is liberal on every issue that matters. And maybe they get a broader appeal. And we can win a three-way race. And, in, and especially in these hardcore red states, we should be able to win it anyway in a three, three-way race. You know, a state like Idaho, where we have a comatose Democrat party, they're not electorally viable. You should be able to have this, someone to challenge Brad Chicken Little. But again, you have to take that initiative. We are the only ones who will take that initiative We'll speak about the issues that matter, when they matter, and the way that matter. We have a lot more coming up this week. We're going to mix it up on all different topics. Folks, send this show to all your friends and relatives. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment. It really does help grow the audience and compete with some of the other Teletubby, phony, uh, right-leaning talkers that people should tune out. So we got to compete. We got to get the message out. That is the first step to redressing our grievances. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.